You know, we just started our next level men's meeting first Thursday of the month at the beginning of the year, and I appreciate you all that have been out here each month. And, and um, you know, I, I just I see growth in each one of you, and, and it's just awesome to see, you know, how, uh, how God's making us into champions. And that's what this year our topic is, is making champions. You know, that's what, that's what God desires to do in each one of our lives is, is to be a champion in, in our life, and, and that doesn't mean, that, that means different things for different people, but really coming down to what a champion is, it's all about fulfilling and, and doing and becoming everything he's called and created us to be, amen? Uh, let me read our vision statement, it says this, our purpose, if you know, our, our uh, projector went out in here, and then we had two projectors that went out in the auditorium in the last week, so, so thank God for new projectors, amen. Um, but, you know, what they do before projectors, you know. It's <laughs> but our vision, uh, it's on our website under our men's page, but it says this. Our purpose is to create opportunities for the men of heritage to come together, connect, grow, get free, and go to the next level in life. Our attitude is this. We refuse to go back, give up, or plateau. We will rise and be the champions we were created to be. I love that. Our attitude is this. We refuse to go back, give up, or plateau. I don't want to plateau in my life. What does plateau means? You, you come to a certain point, but, you know, you just stay there. You're just, it's, it's, I look at that as just mediocre life, right. just a mediocre. I don't want to be a mediocre father. I don't want to be a mediocre husband. You know, I don't want to be a mediocre pastor. I don't want us to be a mediocre church. Amen. You know, I, I, if, I, if I do something and, and God's in it, I want it to be great. I want it to be great. I, I, want to, I want to do something great. I want to be something great. And, and all of us, deep down on the inside of us, that, that's really our heart. We want to do something that's going to leave a mark in someone else's life. Amen? Now, we've had the, what is, a, what, what is a champion? It's a person of character. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that have seen great successes, but that doesn't mean there are great successes. You know, I, I remember Dr. Savelle tells a story of when um, the 49ers had just won the Super Bowl and, and he knew some player, uh, it was Roger Craig, he knew Jerry Rice, uh, Joe Montana and different ones and he was asked to come and speak at, their, at the beginning of the next year, the first game of their season the next year and here they had just had the Super Bowl ring and, and man, they were, they were excited and, and so he goes in there and, and he didn't really know exactly the direction he was going to go but he said, you know what, you're, you're champions on the field, you're wearing the ring, you've, you've done amazing things, you're the best team and have been the best team for, at that time in a, for a couple years, yeah, they were unbeatable and just amazing team and he said, but you know what, but you're champions on the field, but you're failing in life. You know, and how many of your, your, your marriages are falling apart? How many, you, you, you have million-dollar contracts, but you're bankrupt. You know, and it's because, because it's not just being a champion on the field that matters, but it's about being a champion every area of your life. And, and it, a lot of times it's not just in the success or material or, or fame, but, but a person of a champion is a person of character. You know, and so, yeah, I talk about becoming great and those things, but, but it's not just great in the eyes of man, but it's, but it's being a person of character. You know, because you can have a lot of charisma, but if you don't have character, charisma only lasts a little bit. You know, there are a lot of people that have been, had, were, had great stardom, but yet, but yet fell, fell quickly. Why? Because character couldn't keep them with the gifts that they had. Their, 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 char- their gifts were great, but their character... They had no character, so therefore their gifts couldn't keep in a, keeping them in a place of success. 
So I'm not just talking about having just quick success, but I'm talking about let's have longevity in everything that we do, right? That's becoming a champion. I want you to say these with me. These are, we've been reading these each, each, week, each month we come out. And it's our, uh, a person of, what a par- person of character looks like and acts like. Read these with me. Step up. Be a man of action. Assume it is your job and your moment. Hate apathy. Reject passivity. Refuse to live as a spectator in life. Speak out. Silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Be courageous. Fear God, not man. Speak the truth in love. Stand strong. Don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. Above all, refuse to compromise. Stay humble. Be vigilant against pride. Get the log out of your eye. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Serve the king. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, his righteousness. Hope in the eternal and live for a greater reward. Amen. And that's, so that's what a person of character looks like and acts like. Let's, let's read the third one again. Stand strong. Don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. Above all, refuse to compromise. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And that's what I want to deal with tonight is standing strong. You know, I've been, uh, everything that I've been teaching has been coming from a book um, that was written by a, 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 a legend, so to speak, in Christendom, um, a man by the name of Lester Summerall. Um, he's a man who would uh, tell it like it is. I, unfortunately, I never had the opportunity to ever hear him preach in person. Did you ever get to hear him? Um, he actually ministered here in the Bible school in 1996, six months before he, he went home to be with the Lord. And um, he saw a great thing. I mean, I, I told some of the story of his story last time we came together last month and, and how when he was 17 years of age, he heard the call to go into ministry and he was in the middle of the country and, uh, and so when at, at, I think it was 18 or 19 or so, he ends up going to California out of San Francisco. He wants to follow this guy named Howard Carter that was also a, a brought really the charismatic movement of, to, of movement of the Holy Spirit to the, U, the U.S. back in the early 1900s. And, and, and so he went over there and with, with $12 in his pocket, he got on a boat and, and said, I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. And he shows up in Australia and how they led him into the country and ended up going through through Indonesia and Tibet and China all the way over to Europe to where he met Smith Wigglesworth. And, and so Lester Summerall is an amazing man and is just an amazing teacher. A lot of amazing books. He talked a lot about demonology, a lot about, about deliverance and, and things like that because uh, he did a, dealt with a lot of those things in Central America and the occult and those things. But he has this book and it's called The Making of a Champion and that's what we've been talking about. So if you're interested in this book, uh, you can fi- find it on Amazon or you know digital book or whatever and and so right now we're dealing with the seventh chapter and and it's really all about standing strong and it's about the life of Nehemiah and how he was a champion in his day and in his generation but as we begin tonight I want to look at something here because it, he doesn't necessarily deal with this in the book and I, I haven't been preaching the book word for word or anything like that but been taking the principle I'm just praying about it how do we need to what, what, how do, do our men need to receive this and, and so let's, let's go on a journey tonight here for a little bit. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, here this is last statement or last set of statements in this letter to the church of Ephesus. And this was a church where he, had, he was at for five years. 
He raised up Timothy to take over the church. It was a mega church of his day. I've been to Ephesus, and 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 you and you see actually where Paul preached. It was an amphitheater that held five thousand or more people. Um, it was all place where he ended up in prison. Uh, it was also a place where, where uh, and you've heard me some of the stories where we showed the prostitute house in, in Ephesus and all that showed some of those pictures back in the early part of the year. And, and, but here he, he tells them and he's speaking to them. Why? Because he's, he's their apostle. And what does an apostle do? An apostle is one that is sent with a message. And so he's, he's summing up all these things about who they are and who they are in Christ, how they're seated with Christ, how, how, how he set gifts into the body, the pastors are prophets, evangelists, and, and to do the work of the ministry. So we grow up and to be like Christ. And he gets into to Ephesians 5 and, 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 and he's encouraging them how they walk their lives and how they're to be filled with the Spirit and not drunk with wine and, and how they're to treat their spouses. And he gets down here and how children obey their parents and he gets down here and says finally so so all these things that when he says finally he's saying a lot of these things that i'm talking about hinge on this one principle finally my brethren you know someone's last statement is probably gonna be their most important statement you know most of the time when you begin a letter you're not going to necessarily begin with the most important point right you're going to introduce some things and you get to the end and into where okay what is this all about what are you trying to get across to us paul and he says finally be strong in the lord and in the power of his might. And I want to encourage you with that tonight. If, if you're going to succeed in life, in any arena, any part of your responsibilities, is going to be strong in the Lord. Yeah, you can be strong. There's, there's a certain amount of strength that each one of us has because we have different talents. You know, like David Moreno, he's got a talent to play the guitar. Well, I could play a guitar, but it's not going to sound the same as he plays a guitar. So I can't, I can't rely on my natural abilities in, in anything I do. You can only do so much with a guitar. You can only do so much with, with certain giftings that you have and certain talents that you have. But it comes down to you have to be strong in the Lord. Don't, don't be strong in your talents. Don't be strong in your gifting. Don't be strong in your ability to ma- manipulate people. Don't be strong. No, get down to the brass tacks of what, what your life as a believer is all about. It is I'm going to be strong in the Lord. I'm going to be, because you know, that's the only thing that's going to stand. That's the only thing that's going to endure is being strong in the Lord. Because you know what? People are going to fail you. Friends and family can disappoint you. We live in a, we live in a world where the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Life happens. Things happen. People make bad decisions. People make bad choices. So the thing is, I can't let those things affect me. But you know what I can affect? What I'm strong in. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. Well, this person did that to me. It doesn't matter. I'm strong in the Lord. Well, they said that. No, I'm strong in the Lord. Well, I made this. Well, I'm going to be strong in the Lord. And what? The power of his might. And then he goes on and he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So being strong, if we connect these two verses together, it's about being strong in the Lord and standing. Being strong in the Lord and standing against the wiles of the enemy. I'm not gonna, I don't have time to talk about wiles and, and the, the enemy and the principalities and those things and talking about the different armor tonight. But I want you to see something here. He says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers and rulers of darkness. Everything that you face in your life up till not now that has had some sort of negative outcome in your life has been because of these things. Principalities, 
powers, rulers. Principalities build strongholds in your heart and your mind. Well, it was my choice, it was my decision. Well, somehow along the line, you gave heed to principalities and powers and rulers of darkness to lay roots in your life to cause you to go that direction in your life. And you could blame it on this, that, or the other, but it come down to it was, it was the God of this world bringing about circumstances, bringing about situations, and us yielding ourselves to that, opening ourselves up to that, to allow the enemy to control our lives. But he tells us, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. The enemy, he doesn't have any new tactics. He, he has no new ways. The way that he deals with us is through the power of su- suggestion. And the power of suggestion is to bring you to a place of deception. And so, and so that's how the enemy, he's always trying to work within our emotions, within our soul, within, within things that come at us. And he's always trying to control us through the power of suggestions. And those suggestions come through what we yield ourselves to, what we yield our hearts to. I, I, I don't want to keep going, going this direction unless the Lord wants me to. But, but I really want you to see that, that we have to stand strong against what? The principalities. The powers and rulers. Anytime the enemy is trying to get you into a direction that you know in your heart you really don't want to go in, it's all because it's principalities trying to keep you in darkness. To keep you going away from God's plan. Going away from God's peace for your life. So that's why whenever, you, whenever you're coming out of, of negative situations, you always have to come back to, you know what? I have to be strong in the Lord. In the power of His might. It's not your might. <laughs> it's his might. And that was, that was one of my biggest downfalls is, is I was like, I, I got this. I, I can do this. I, I got this. I made it through that, but I, I can do it again. I got this. I got this. It, there's this mentality that, that we, we as men, we have to be stronger than anyone else. We don't have any weakness. We have to make sure it looks like to everyone else we got it all together. And we want to we want to pretend we want to fake it till we make it. We want everyone to think that we got it all together. But according to this, that's pride because it says I'm to be strong with his might, his might, his ability. The moment that you buy into the fact that you can do it is the first step that you've taken to fail. The moment that I take a step in the direction that that I can pastor this church without God, I can prepare prepare, prepare for a message without God is the first day that this this calling, this office will slip out of my hands. The moment that I can think that I can pastor without him is the moment that I go in a direction where I will no longer be in this because I'll set myself up for him to remove me from this. Because he needs someone that is going to submit to him. Someone that's going to surrender to him. Not someone that doesn't need him. Amen. 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 Uh, this, is not, this is not my note. So, <laughs> We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy, he doesn't fight fair. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it tells us not to be ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant of his devices. But you know what? He, he has no new devices. <laughs> no new devices. It's the same. 
it's, it's all going to come through what? The lust of the eyes, <laughs> the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's, it's going to come. First John chapter, was it 2 or chapter 3 tells us that. It's going to come through those areas. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. There's something that we feel like we've got to prove to the world. We realize he's just saying, just trust me, and I'll take you to the world. Amen. You know, so, so these principalities, these rulers of darkness, and for us not to be ignorant of his device. Let's go to Luke chapter 8, and we'll get to Nehemiah in just a moment. Now, the word Satan in the Hebrew, just, just the word Satan, you have, you have to be... Okay, the Hebrew meaning for the word Satan mean is one who withstands or opposes. Just the very word in the Hebrew of Satan is, is one who withstands or opposes. So, so when you're facing something and, and, and say, you know, this is what you're called to do. And you're over here. So the enemy is trying to stand in between you and what you're supposed to be and, who you're, and, and, and what you're supposed to do. See, Satan, what he does as the God of this world, is he is trying to withstand, withhold, and oppose you from ever being what God's created you to be. So everything that you encounter in life is to keep you from this. Is to keep you from this. Because that's what the word Satan means from the very root of it is to withstand or oppose something. So when we talk about not being ignorant of his devices... What are we talking about? Not being ignorant of the one that is trying to withhold, withstand, and oppose us. The one that's trying to keep us from this. In Luke chapter 8. Thank you, Father. Verse 11 says, Now the meaning of this parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those along the traveled road are people who have heard. Then the devil comes and carries away the message out of their hearts that they may not believe, acknowledge me as their savior, and devote themselves to me and be saved here and hereafter. So here, they heard the word, but yet the devil comes. Satan comes. In the Hebrew, one who withstands, withholds, or opposes. What? To to withstand what? Oppose the message that was preached. The enemy comes immediately to steal the word. Yeah. See, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that is stoned. Because why? He's trying to oppose you. He's trying to keep you from ever being what God's created you to be. So we have to not be ignorant of devices. And we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now let's go over to Nehemiah. We've dealt with uh, so many different things with Nehemiah so far. And we're still in the, the early part of the, the book of Nehemiah. Don't have time to elaborate or go back and review anything. The enemy comes immediately to steal the word. Now let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9. He says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Now, get, now listen to that. The king sent armies with me. Captains of, captains of the army, meaning he sent the heads of the army with me and the horsemen with me. Verse 10, when Sanballat, Sanballat and the, the Hornite and Tobiah, the servant, the Amorite, heard of it, 
it grieved them exceedingly that there had come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and there, and I was there for three days. Now, get this. You had Sanballat and you had Tobiah. Who are these people? Well, one is the governor of Samaria and one is the king of the Amorites. And what they were doing is, is that Jerusalem, because their walls were broken down, they were relying on these two governors. They were relying on these two kings because these two kings wanted this city broken. They wanted this city broken because as long as this city was broken, they had to count on them. They had to trust in them. They had to lean on them. And so when they heard that this guy Nehemiah had come, it said they were distressed. They were upset. They were mad. See, the enemy doesn't want you to rebuild the walls in your life. The enemy doesn't want it to happen. So here, these enemy kings, these governors were distressed. Why? Because if, if these walls are rebuilt, then that means they have a fortified city. If those walls are rebuilt, they're self-sufficient. If these walls are rebuilt, the enemy, we can't come in and continue to steal from them. We want them to stay broken. And that's what the enemy wants. All humanity wants them to stay broken. And so the enemy got upset and was frustrated and was mad about this. Let's go to verse 19. Verse 19 says, but when Samballot the Hornite, actually go to verse 17. Then said I to them, you see the distress that we're in and how Jerusalem lies in waste and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we may be no more a reproach. Then I told them that the hand of the Lord my God was good upon me as also the king's word that he had spoken upon me. Now get that, God's hands on me. The king had spoken a word over me and they said, let us rise and build so they strengthen their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant of the Ammonite and uh, Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said to them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Now, it's interesting how it said they laughed at them and they despised us. One translation says they ridiculed us. One of the enemy's devices that he uses is he wants to ridicule you. He wants to mock you. The word ridicule means speech or an action that will cause the enemy or others to laugh at you. And here, get this, here Nehemiah is standing up. And he's declaring this plan to rebuild the city walls. And you've got these men over here just laughing at him. You are stupid. You, you don't know what you're doing. You're going to fail. And who are you thinking that you're going to rebel against the king? Wait, wait a minute. See, the, the, the enemy always wants to twist things. How could you say we're going to re- rebel against the king when he had a letter from the king, he had a seal from the king, he had the signet of the, of the king's ring, he had the captains and the horsemen of the king, he also gave them all the lumber that they would need before they even got there to rebuild the walls, and yet the enemy would still try to make him pull back. Well, I don't want to, met, I don't want to rebel. The, no, he had the king's, had the king's hand. The, God, the king's hand was upon him. The king was for him, and yet the enemy would want to come and have him second guess what he was called to do. All through ridicule, just laugh at him. 
Just laugh. And so that's what the enemy, he, he, wants, he wants to laugh at you. See, you're a failure. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be a good father. You're never going to be a good husband. You're never going to. And, and he just wants to laugh at you. He, he wants to make you, make you feel this big so what you never become, you never rebuild the walls that you're called to build. Don't be ignorant of his devices. And that next verse there in verse 20 says, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. You know what? He didn't answer. See, he didn't answer the enemy necessarily. He just looked up at heaven and said, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. What was he doing? He was strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Now get this. But you have no portion... You have no right nor memorial in Jerusalem. See, you need, you need to make a statement of that over your life. See, the enemy tried to ridicule them, tried to make, them feel, make him feel stupid. But he said, you know what? The Lord God, he will prosper us. And by the way, we his servants, you know what? We're going to rise and build. Meaning it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how much you laugh at us. It doesn't matter what, what, what's going on right now. It doesn't matter. We're going to rise and we're going to build. You know what? And he goes, you don't have a portion, a right, or a memorial in Jerusalem. I mean, you don't have a place here. You have no right to Jerusalem. You, you have never seen. Memorial is, is something that they would set up that, that let them know that they were victorious. You know what? You don't have any right to Jerusalem. You don't have a right to be here. See, you need to let the enemy know he has no right to your life. He has no right to your future. You have no right to your marriage, no right to your family, no right to your finances. But it came to the fact of the Lord will prosper us. I love how Nehemiah, we go over to, thank you. Let's go look at verse, let's look at chapter four. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the walls, he was mad and he took great indignation and he mocked the Jews. See, the enemy doesn't stop. He mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? This is what Sambalat said to his army. What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in the day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Amorite was by him and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up on it, he shall break down their stone wall. Meaning, even if a fox, he says, you know, he's really, now he's talking about against their work. He's saying, even if a fox gets on top of it, it's going to fall. That's like the enemy. Even if you do have a little bit of success, you'll never be successful. Even if, yeah, even if you do that, you know what? You still won't amount to anything. The enemy doesn't stop. He wants to ridicule. He wants to ridicule. Verse 4 says, Hear, O God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own heads. So what does is, what is Nehemiah go back to? And he's, going, he's looking to God. What? He's strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Verse 6 says, So built the walls, and all the wall was joined together unto half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Amorites and the Ashdites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped. Now get that. Here, the walls are now closing and they've been building the walls, but now the areas where they weren't connected, now they're starting to close. See, the enemy's running out of time. He's running out of time. And he says, and that then they were, then they were really upset. 
So you see, the enemy is getting really upset because he, know, he knows that if these walls get fortified, this city is going to get strong. You know what? And then we're going to be serving the city and not the city serving us. And see, that's what the enemy wants you to do. He, he wants you to serve him. He wants, you to, he wants you, to, you to serve what he wants you to do. Verse 8 says, And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem. See, the next thing they brought, what well, was it? Ridicule, but now it's, now it's violence. He's going to take his whole army. And what was this doing? When, when Sanballat showed up to, to Jerusalem, what was he doing? He showed up with the whole army. Why? To intimidate them. And that's the enemy. He wants to intimidate you. Make you, intimidate you that there's no way around. You're never going to get through this. You're never going to get beyond this. Verse 9 says, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God. So even though they were being ridiculed, they're being mocked, even though they had an army come against them, this is Nehemiah, nevertheless, we made our prayer to God and set a watch against them night, day and night, because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed, but there's much rubbish, rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. So because of these things, now what happened is the enemy brought discouragement. That's what he like. He wants to use discouragement. If he can discourage you, and that's what they're saying, they were faint because of all this rubbish, all this stuff, everything that's happening. You know what? We can't do this because of everything that's going on. And, and, we're, and we're fainting. We're discouraged. And our adversaries said, They shall not know neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Verse, let's go to verse 13. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and I rose up and said unto the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great, terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to nothing, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. What did he say? They remembered the Lord, which is great. See, that's what you have to do. It's back to being strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Strong in the Lord. And the power of his might. Doesn't matter what they say. You got to realize that this, what Nehemiah realized, this wasn't his wall. This was God's wall. And a lot of times, you know, Nehemiah, he, he never reacted and, 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 and went back with attacks. He never went back to the enemy and, 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 and told them off. He, he, he always just looked to God. And he realized that, that, that you have to realize what God's called you to do is what, what, is God's call, it's, it's what God's called you to do. Don't look at it as what you're called to do. It's what God's called you to do. Amen. Realize the plan is his plan. Yes, realize that, that the people were building with the energy which, which was his energy. Don't, don't stop, stop trying to do life on your own. Realize what you're doing is his plan for your life. It's his calling on your life. It's his strength on your life. It's his ability. It's his direction for your life. Nehemiah never made it about him. He never made it about how good I am. It's all about how great he is. The success doesn't come down to not having an enemy. 
A lot of times we, we have the ideas if, 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 well, if I just didn't have an enemy or if this didn't happen or that didn't happen or why did God let this happen or why is this happening to me and why is that happening? Realize success doesn't come down because you don't have an enemy. Success comes down to your faithfulness to stick with God and the power of God. It's the faithfulness of God and the power of God. The success doesn't come down to not having an enemy. Success comes down to the, came down to the faithfulness of the people and the power of God. It was their ability to be faithful. Get back on the wall. Get back on the wall. Even though they have an army, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in another hand. I mean, you know what? We're not going to stop building this wall because the most important thing is building this wall. And I want to encourage us as men, the most important thing is, is, is not you gaining, having more finances. It's not you, 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 you doing this, that, or the other. The most important thing in your life is you building the walls of strength in your life. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says a man that, that shrinks in the day of adversity, it says his strength is small. It also talks about a wall. It says, it says when a, a man is like a, a wall, a, a city with a wall around it, and it says when that's broken down, w- what can you do? So we have to build strong walls in our life. And the wall that we need to build is I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Nehemiah was concerned with two things, the Lord's honor and the people's morale. Hallelujah. Stand strong. Thank you, Father. He never looked at his ability. He looked at God's ability. Standing strong. It's one thing to be strong physically. But it's another thing to be strong spiritually. Let me say it again. It's one thing to be strong physically. But it's another thing to be strong spiritually. There's a difference of being strong naturally. In learning how to stand strong. Standing strong. All the attacks that come your way are to get you to be tossed to and fro. That's what, that's what everything that came against Nehemiah was to get him to be tossed to and fro. Tossed to and fro. Up one day and down the next. But a champion is one that learns to stand strong. And standing strong... Requires a life of patience. A life of patience. As I was just praying about this and just the direction that I want to close in here in just just a couple minutes, a few minutes, a few more scriptures, I guess. But just the phrase standing strong. And and as I was praying about that over the last last week and, and getting ready for tonight, that standing strong. It's not just. It's not just saying I'm strong and I'm I'm strong in the Lord and the power of His might, but it's, then it goes on to say but to stand against all the wiles of the enemy. Standing strong isn't just being strong. Standing strong has to do. It has to do. It, lots of we focus on the strong part, but let's focus on the standing part. And we we as men need to get to a place where we learn to be patient. In Luke 21, verse 19, he says, In your patience, possess ye your souls. In your patience, possess ye your soul. So we're, we're talking about, you know, these attacks of the enemy. Talking about being tossed to and fro. The battles that we have is a battle in our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, right? But Luke 21 says, In patience. It's in patience that you're going to possess your souls. 
And a lot of times we look at patience as a natural attitude and not realize that patience is a spiritual force. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And so often we we take these things like love, faith, peace, gentleness, self-control, and we try to do these things naturally. But what is it? Strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You know what His might is? The arm of God is the Holy Spirit. The arm of God is the creative power. The Holy Spirit is the creative power of God. We see that in the, in, the, in the very beginning when he created the heavens and the earth and darkness was upon the face of the dirt deep. And it said in the spirit hovered. And when he said light be what the spirit of God went into operation. So when we talk about his might, we can't talk about his might without talking about his spirit. So when he says stand strong, when I say stand strong in his might. We have to talk about patience. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. It's something that you have to yield to. And your whole life is made up of what you're yielding to. You're either going to yield to the spirit of God or you're going to yield to your flesh. One or two things. Bottom line. That's what our whole life is made up of. Yielding. What am I going to give way to? You're either going to give way to yourself or you're going to give way to patience. You're going to give way to hate or you're going to give way to love. These aren't natural substance. These are spiritual forces. So it's in patience. It's when we step into impatience that we can arrest our soul. So when I step into patience, when I step into the God kind of patience, I, I silence the enemy in my mind. And I'm not saying that's easy. But when I step into, when I pray in the Holy Spirit, when I get into worship, and what, that's how I have to possess my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions. And everything that's coming at me, I have to possess it through patience. As I stay fixed on biblical patience, it can cause me to keep and take ownership of my mind, my will, and my emotions. Ownership. James 1 says, it, it talks about, about how, um, about diverse temptations and, and things coming, coming against you. But he says, it says, let, ha, let patience have its perfect work. And, and a lot of people admit, well, God's putting me through diverse temptations. Or God's putting me through all of these things. And he's just trying to see if my faith is working. No. No, the thing is, we know, we keep reading, and he goes on and he talks about that, that God doesn't tempt every good and perfect comes from above. He tempts no man with evil. Amen. So God's never going to tempt you with, with, with anything that we would call evil. He, 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 he's not going to do it. Amen. Every good and perfect gift, gift comes from above. And it says he tempts no man with evil. He said, but you're tempted when you're led away by your own lusts. So God has nothing to do with, with, with the choices we make necessarily. What he's asking us to do is he says, let patience have its perfect work. Because when we let patience work, see, a lot of times we're not letting patience work. We're working. But he says, let patience have its perfect work. And it says, when we let patience have its perfect work, now get this, we'll be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. If you want to go back and look that up, that's James chapter 1, the first four verses. When patience is having its perfect work, I'll be perfect. Man, entire wanting. Man, what would a life be like that, not wanting anything? Perfect and entire. But you know what? Patience has to have its perfect work. I got, a, I got 
I've got to allow patience to work on my behalf. Sometimes when you're going through attacks, you need to just shut up. You need to do nothing and just sit there. And don't think about anything. And even it takes you a thousand times to bring your mind back to, to thinking nothing. Do it. Because I'm telling you, because that's when you can start hearing the voice of God. Too many times people ask the question, how come, how come God didn't do? Let me ask the question, how come we let go of our patience? How come we're allowing our mind and our will, will and emotions to dictate our life instead of His Word? Patience is a vehicle to get me to my destination. Patience is a vehicle to get me to my destination. Uh, we can see that in Hebrews chapter 6, I believe it is, where it talks about follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Faith and patience. They're the power twins, Ken the Copeland calls them. Follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. How did they inherit the promise? Faith, but also patience. See, like we, we, we talk about faith. But in order faith to be a completed work, it's always going to have to have patience accompanied to it. I wish it was always, I've got faith and amen, there it is. I wish it was like, I I wish it happened every time like pray and yowie, zamo, bam, bazinga, there it is. It's, it's, It's manifested and it happened. But no, it's faith and patience. Faith and patience. A lot of times we have, we, have, we have the faith, but we believe God can do something. But do we have the patience to stand strong? So faith, faith is, is, a, is ability to, for me to be perfect, entire, want nothing. Faith, faith is a, it causes me to inherit promises. Let's go to Psalms 40. What time we got? 8.15. Okay, see if I can get this done. Getting something out of this. Going to the next level in my life. Psalms 40. So patience does several things. It, patience, it causes me to be perfect, entire, want nothing. Patience uh, causes me to inherit promises. Psalms 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord. I waited patiently and expectantly for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. I waited Patiently. The word waited is not sit back and cross your hands and don't do anything. Waited here is, is it's got the, the, of you're out on the edge of your seat, actually standing up on the edge of a, of a shore, so to speak, and looking out because you realize any moment something's coming, coming over that horizon. Something is about to change. Something is about to happen. Something is about to move. I'm about to get a phone call. I'm about to get news. I'm about this. Something is about. I waited patiently, meaning I waited not doing nothing, but I waited patiently with an expectancy that something is about to change. And it says, as I waited this way, it said, he inclined his ear and he heard my cry. He drew me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, steadying my steps and establishing my going. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many shall see and fear and put their trust 
in confident reliance in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his refuge and trust and turns not to the proud or the followers of false gods. Now, now get this for a second. Patience is not being idle and sitting back and doing nothing. Patience is a fixed expectation. And an expectation that doesn't move or waver. Is meaning I'm going to stand here until I see change happen or I see victory. Now get, listen to this definition of patience. Patience is a fixed trust. It's a fixed trust because he said, I waited patiently on the Lord. Then he says this, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his refuge and his trust. So patience is a fixed trust. It's a trust that I'm not letting go of. And I I turn not to the proud or the followers of false gods. Hallelujah. So patience is a fixed trust. Let's go, let's, man, Luke chapter, go back to Luke chapter 8. And also turn to first, Second Peter chapter 1, and I'll close with these two things. Thank you, Father. Patience is a fixed trust. It causes me to be perfect, entire, want nothing. It causes promises to be filled, inherit promises. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read these, these five or six verses, but we read 12 where it talked about the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. We know about the next, the next type of soil, the, the seed sown upon the rock. And we see the next one where it's the thorns come up and they choke the word because anxieties. But verse 15 says, But as for the seed and the good soil, these are the people who, hearing the word, hold it fast in a just and a worthy heart and steadily bring forth fruit. You see, we, we always talk about the good ground. We talk about sowing seed on good ground, Right? And we talk about it brings forth a, a harvest. Matt, Mark chapter 4 says 30, 60, and 100 fold. But here he says that you'll bring forth fruit with patience. See, you can have good soil, but yet, but yet you don't have patience. If you, you can have good soil, but because of patience, you'll rip up the seed. Because are you growing yet? Is anything happening yet? Is anything going on yet? You're not growing yet. I don't see a sprout yet. I'm not seeing a blade yet. I'm not seeing any sign of any growth yet. But no, that's why you have to have patience. A farmer has to have patience. So it's not just sowing good seed into good soil, but it's having the patience until a harvest happens. So patience, the result of patience is harvest. The result of patience is harvest. The result of patience is fixed trust. The result of patience is being perfect, entire, wanting nothing. The result of patience is inherited promises. Now let's go look at 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'll close with this. Thank you, Father. Verse 5. Hmm. And besides this, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge. And to your knowledge, temperance, and to your temperance, patience. Now, verse 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of a divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. 
So here it say, I've got a handful of faith. Right? Faith is belief. It's, it, it's, it's uh, I mean, there's something there. Faith is substance. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's something I'm holding on to. It's my title. It's my confidence. So, uh, so I'm needing to add something to my faith. And here he says, add to your faith virtue. And to your virtue, knowledge. And to your knowledge, temperance. And to your temperance, patience. Add to your faith. So he says, you need to add patience. So it's not just having faith, but add all these things to it. Add patience. And to patience, godliness. To godliness, brotherly love. And to brotherly brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of God of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if he lacks these things, he is blind. He cannot see afar off and he's forgotten that he's purged from his old sins. What does that mean? It means I need to add to my faith patience. And we can talk about all these different things. But he says, if I do these things, it says, I will not be barren or unfruitful. So patience added to my life will cause me to be fruitful. But if I don't add patience to my life, if I'm lacking patience, it says I'm blind and I can't see afar off and I've forgotten That my life has been changed. So patience is a missing ingredient to keep us from fulfilling the call on our lives, from being fruitful in our lives. Amen? That's why we need to stand strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be patient. Rest in His might. Because as we do, according to all these scriptures about patience, I'm telling you, You'll be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. You won't be barren. Amen. Your promises promises will be fulfilled in your life. So allow patience to work for us. Amen. Allow your patience to go to work on your behalf. And I'm telling you, as you yield to patience, what are you doing? You're yielding to the harvest you're about to see. Harvest is coming. Let patience work for you. Change is coming. Let patience work for you. Don't get discouraged. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Allow patience to work. Amen. Because I'm telling you, you'll see amazing things on the other side of it. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we thank you for the challenge that it brings to us. We thank you, Father, for causing us to be, to, to yield to this fruit of patience, Father. This fruit of patience. That we yield to it tonight. That we yield to it tomorrow when we wake it up. We yield to it the next day and the next day. And we will cultivate and operate and walk in this life of patience. Patience. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, cause us to yield to patience. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Everyone stand to your feet. Just across the aisle, just take one another's hands or put your hand on their shoulders. You don't know what what thing the person on your left or your right is battling. You don't know what they're facing. The Spirit of God does.
don't, don't pray for yourself right now. Just pray for the person that's on your left and your right. And I believe as you pray for the person that's on your left or your right, left and your right, I, I believe that just the Holy Spirit's going to comfort hearts, speak to hearts, give direction, give contentment, give peace. Father, I thank you that every single man in this place is rising in strength. And they'll be like Nehemiah, where they've been ridiculed, where they've been mocked, where they've been pushed back, where the enemy has laughed at them, the enemy has has tormented them. I declare no longer. But I thank you that deliverance is here. Refreshing is here. Peace is here. Strength is here. And I thank you that from this day forward, they will learn. I'm not saying that they'll be perfect at, but they'll learn how to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Because being strong in the Lord is about yielding to you, Father. Yielding to you. We yield to you tonight. We yield to you tonight, Father, in every area of our lives. I speak for strength. I call for strength at every heart. I call for strength into every life. I call strength. I call peace of mind into every heart. I call, I call the anointing of God to destroy every yoke and remove every burden, every bondage. Where, 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 where some men in here, where they might have felt worthless, I thank you that they're gaining a new self-image. They're gaining a, 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 a sense of significance. I thank you for significance, significance to rise on the inside of them. I thank you that they're building walls. They're building walls in their personal lives. They're building walls in their families. They're building walls in their marriages. They're building walls. They're building walls for their future. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I thank you that the greatest days are ahead of them and not behind them. I thank you, Father. Hallelujah, that they are being called out of darkness and into light. I declare that darkness cannot torment them any longer. We stand against every wile and every principality and every power and principality of rulers of darkness. We stand against you tonight, Satan. You will not oppose our destiny. You will not withhold our destiny. You will not hold our future because Jesus, Jesus made a show of you openly. And I thank you that our eyes are open tonight, that we have a call. Our eyes are open tonight, that, that greater days are ahead of us. Our eyes are open. Hallelujah. Our ears are open, that we hear our Father's voice and a stranger's voice. We will not follow. We do not follow the voice of the enemy. We do not follow the voice of the enemy, but we follow the voice of the Good Shepherd. Hallelujah. And the good shepherd is leading us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The good shepherd is ordering every single one of our steps. The good shepherd has thoughts and plans for us. Plans of good and not evil to give us hope in our final outcome. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I declare the enemy is under our feet. I declare the power of Satan is defeated over our hearts. I speak for deliverance of every heart and mind in this place. Where their minds have become stagnant because of defeat and torment. I declare that they're, they're going to have a flourish. Their heart's going to be flourishing. Flourishing. 
flourishing. I declare that just as patience is a spiritual force rising in this place, I thank you the joy of the Lord that is our strength is rising in this place as well. I thank you for joy. I thank you for joy. I thank you for joy rising in this place tonight. Joy rising. Joy rising. Thank you for joy rising. Joy rising. Joy rising in every heart and mind. Joy rising. Joy rising. Hallelujah. Joy. 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 Hallelujah. That just a joy comes over over your people tonight. Joy comes over our church body tonight. Hallelujah. Joy. Even though they don't have even a reason to be joyful. Hallelujah. There's still a joy. There's a joy. There's a joy. And that joy is steadying their steps and steadying their going. Thank you that they have joy. They have joy. They have joy. They have peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for your goodness, Father. We thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, joy. repeat this after me. Father God, I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I choose to stand strong in the midst of my adversity. I yield to the fruit of the Spirit. I yield to the force of patience. I will be perfect entire wanting nothing. I will not be barren, but I'll be fruitful. I will, I will fulfill the call of God on my life. I am going to the next level in every area of my life because God is for me and not against me. I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Jesus name. Give him a shout of praise if you received that tonight. Hallelujah. God is good.